0: Wait a minute. minute. Hear this. Growth Farm Production. This is the Scalable Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestonenti, and each week we will go on a journey, a journey that will inspire you, motivate you, and help you be the very best you can be. Our focus will be on mindset, tactics, and the strategies that will enable you to create more opportunities and win more deals. Welcome to another episode of the Scalable Growth Podcast. I'm pumped, honored, and excited that you have joined us for what will be another incredible episode. For all of our long-time listeners, again, I just want to say thank you for showing up each and every week and for the comments and for the engagement on our content. Thanks for what you do because it allows me to get up each and every day to do what I do and creating this content for you. And if you're a first-time listener, thank you. Thank you for jumping on. Thank you for checking out our content. We hope you take away some value in your quest in being the best you can be. Now, this week, We have the chief marketing officer of Insightly CRM. And this is a really interesting episode, right? Even though a lot of you are in sales, a lot of you are out there pounding the pavement, creating your own pipeline and making it rain. I'm really excited to share Chip's point of view on this episode because as a salespeople today, our role in going out and creating awareness and doing a lot more marketing activities, it's becoming more and more of a requirement in our roles, right? And so that line is getting very grey of where marketing and sales kind of intersect. And so I asked Chip to talk with us about really thinking what do marketers think about and how to how can we create more awareness and as sales professionals, how do we then take some of those concepts and execute it ourselves? Because at the end of the day, you know, especially in a tighter market our need or our requirement to go out there and generate new opportunities, it is more important than ever before, especially in tougher markets, right? We have to be more proactive in the way we reach out to our prospects and we reach out to our target market. So this particular episode will provide you with a different point of view when it comes to going out there creating awareness, creating engagement. And Chip's going to share some incredible insight that'll help you generate more awareness and ultimately create more opportunities that will help you close more deals. The other thing I wanted to share um, as well, before we jump into the episode, and I've, I've been speaking about this for the last couple of weeks, is Growth Forum our community. We are pumped because it's going completely live in February and we have an offer for our great listeners. Jump into the show notes. The link is there if you haven't already checked it out. Um, we've got a number of programs that we're putting out for free. Their masterclass online. Lots of value. We've got the prospecting one. We've also got the SEO one for any marketers out there. Um, and if you want to check it out? If you want to sort of see a bit more about what SEO is all about, you can check it out. We've got some other incredible programs. But the one that I'm really excited about, because I get a lot of you have, who have been asking me about how to create more pipeline in a declining market, the Prospecting Program. It's got a playbook. It'll teach you the fundamentals of building personas, ICPs, messaging frameworks, call scripts, video prospecting, cadences. It's—it's. It's, I think it's amazing, right? So um, at the moment, it's free. Jump in, check the show notes, click the link, go and register and check out. The, the program officially goes live with the community in February, but just join the wait list to make sure you get access to that. So check out this podcast. You're going to love it. Chip's incredible. He'll provide a different perspective And again, as always, it's a perspective that will help you think a little bit differently in your quest in being the very best you can be. Welcome to the show, Chip.
1: Thanks for having me, Luigi. Great to see you.
0: Yeah, I'm really, really pumped, man. I've been enjoying watching your content um, online. I've been enjoying uh, building a relationship with you online. It's great to finally, even though we're still online, it's kind of take it from, from the LinkedIn world into a into a virtual world and hopefully um, when I'm in America we might be able to find the time to actually connect offline. But mate, really excited to have you on the show. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, super excited to be here. Thanks again for having me. Yeah. Well mate, before we get started, because we've got a really cool topic and I think for me, sellers, you know, sales has changed over the last couple of years. And I think COVID has sped up and really accelerated some of the changes as well in our in our industry. Um, but before we get into the topic about how sellers can become You know, better at marketing themselves. We'd love to learn a bit about how you started in the world of sales and marketing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So
1: I've really been in marketing my whole career. My uh, undergrad, I was an economics major, right? But I I think I really resonated with things that were more people-oriented. You know, the social sciences, statistics, even. You know, so I was. I guess I was sort of. Always sort of a right brain, left brain marketer, right, right from the get go. Mm-hmm. Per- personally, yeah, I'm a musician too. I've been playing drums since I was ten years old. I've always been musician in bands, and so that's my artistic side. And and my econ, I guess, is sort of my my left brain side. But um, so I started out in a highly analytical marketing statistician role at yeah. a catalog marketing company called Finger Hut. know, one one point was. You know, but as large as Sears, you know, in, in the United States, a really large couple billion dollar company, but it was uh, highly analytical approach to marketing. Um, it was it was B2C primarily. But I got into uh, the online world in e-commerce with a company called Digital River in in ninety-seven and um, and then into email marketing with a company called Exact Target. And that was that was the bulk of my career. Uh, and we were acquired by Salesforce about twelve years later after scaling yeah. the company kind of si- pretty significantly um so i've really been now been in software as a service marketing for twenty five years Luigi. Wow. it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty crazy yeah.
0: yeah and now in your current role, you know you're cmo you're leading leading a team you're really trying to um, and, and you're you're working in a quite a competitive market, right? Yeah, there's no no question. You know, C, CRM is
1: a competitive market, and hundreds maybe of, of companies that, that claim to have some either niche C, yeah. niche CRM or you know addressing broad audiences. But we're we're definitely a top top player in this space, you know. And so, uh, obviously, most sales deals we're competing with. Maybe HubSpot, maybe Salesforce is who we probably see most often, but a lot of small and mid-sized companies leverage our CRM to you know,
0: drive leads, manage the pipeline, things like that. Mm. And that's really interesting, right? Because you know, again, you look at the names when you look at CRMs, you've got you're right, your Salesforce, um, who I think I just read they've ticked over thirty bill thirty billion in ARR, which is which is insane number. Um, You've got your HubSpots, then you've got Microsofts, and then you've got you know some of these other players as well. Um, from a marketing perspective, like how do you, you know, when you're when you're really taking on these juggernauts of organisations, how do you go about sort of setting that marketing plan to really differentiate what you guys do versus your competition? I think it starts with really knowing who your
1: customers are, and Anthony uh, Smith who was our founder, um, you know, he's founded the company actually in Perth, Australia in 2009, brought yeah. it to the States, moved, it, you know, with some investment in 2012, and really started out with a phenomenal integration with QuickBooks Online and Google, right? So he's two of the top products <laughs> in both of those app marketplaces, adopted by, you know, SMBs really across the world. So pretty quickly it was adopted because of those two key integrations by thousands tens of thousands of businesses really in 150 plus countries yeah and you know and then yeah i guess you you learn over time right we we've been really lucky to have so many different types of companies on the crm platform for years and years in 2019 we launched our marketing automation product and then just last year we launched a, a customer service product help desk product uh, we call insightly service um and so we're, we're solving problems for multiple industries right and we tend to solve in in a way that's more modern than a typical legacy cloud suite like like salesforce at a lower cost so that's yeah. what it, it made that's why i was excited about insightly is it's you know, a marketing, a sales, a service, you know, app, all in the same modern platform with one view of the customer, and it's just a lot lighter, easier to use way to, to manage your customer experiences. And so, that it's it's easy to find the white space for me anyway. Yes, where that where that fits below what the typical Salesforce or other cloud suite offering is. There's definitely companies who are looking for you know, a, a, a flexible, easy to use, easy
0: to adopt tool for their sales team, for their marketing team, for the service team. So what I'm hearing you say is you're very clear on the your customer profile. You're actually really clear on the type of customers that you want to serve. For sure, yeah. yeah. And I think there's a perfect segue, right? Because um, when you're thinking about it from a, a sales perspective, and again, if you're a listener on this show going, you know what, um, and, and look, the reality is really simple right now. Um Inbound lead volumes we've seen have dropped. Um, a lot of sales teams are, str- are struggling to meet their number. Um, pipeline coverage is lower than what it should be. So there are actually a lot of things that are happening that are going against sellers right now. Yeah. So, um, And I think one of the key things that's going to really help salespeople moving forward, especially in the next 6 to 12 months, is their ability to get out into the market, be proactive, and generate more pipeline for themselves. And I would love to hear from your perspective, like if, if you know, from a sales perspective, and what advice could you give sellers that would help them become better marketers, so that they can get out there and create more brand awareness for themselves.
1: Yeah, it's a a great question, Luigi. Um, I I think I would start with how a a solid marketer goes to market today, right? Mm. Because it's it's changed significantly since. You know, HubSpot sort of championed inbound marketing years and years ago, mm. and you know, I came from the email space too. Back, you know, like I mentioned, I was at Exact Target uh, that would be required by Salesforce. But um, you know, back then, I think it was a pretty common motion to go out with your your PDF, advertise it via email, advertise it via via social media, and somebody would come, fill out a form, and download it, and then you would just you know, nurture them via email, um, and that worked really, really well for years and years and years. Um, fewer and fewer people are filling out forms. Um, the buying process is has become longer and more complicated. Often, it's involving five or more people inside of an organization, yeah. right? And so, and there's more and more websites. So definitely in the software space, there's websites like G two or Capterra where. Yeah. I, I can go do, do research on software and hear what customers say about it um, before I ever buy it. So, uh, you know, it's just second nature the way people buy things now as much more like they, they buy a TV, they talk to 25 friends, they do some of their own research. Some of they might go to Best Buy and see a TV. They, they do some research on Amazon or some other review sites before they select a TV. They've already been through most of the buying process. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, if you're a marketer in today's age, you really need to be number one, really aware of that journey and all those te- steps. Mm-hmm. And number two, be aware of the fact that you have to um, create awareness and one, and b- before you're ever going to get a sale. So you can't expect to just interrupt somebody and get a sale at the bottom of the funnel immediately today. That relationship starts. 25, 30 steps, maybe, yeah. you know, months earlier, potentially. Right. Uh, so w- one of the greatest models, everybody's familiar with a marketing funnel. Yeah. There's a guy by the name of John Janch, who's a marketer wrote, um, ultimate marketing guide. Uh, uh, and I'm blanking on his, his other book, but he, he's, he's got a marketing, uh,
0: uh, um, buying period. Uh,
1: it's, no, it's, it's a, uh, I can't, I can't, believe I just can't come up with hourglass marketing hourglass. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but the concept is like basically seven steps and the top three are no like trust, right? Yeah. If somebody has to know you, they have to like you, they have to trust you before you ever to get to further down in the funnel to be able to actually have them try your product or buy your product. And so if you're a marketer today, you're thinking about that journey. Mm. And now how do I create awareness so my ideal customer knows who I am? How do I get them to like me and, mm. and make them believe that I understand their problem and that I, could, that I know how to fix it? And then give them some proof points to prove that I know how to fix it, right? Maybe probably with some customer stories, some very specific examples, um, some review sites that that back up what I'm saying. And that's the trust piece. So, no like trust, you know, before you're ever gonna get somebody to try or buy. And so, that's me coming a long, <laughs> a long way around to answer your question, Luigi. If you're a sales rep, you now own more of that tar- top part of the funnel um, than you have before because you're gonna engage with an organization where they might have awareness of you but you're going to try to deepen relationships with multiple potential stakeholders you're going to have to validate whatever marketing is in the market you know you're going to have to also show how you've solved problems for people similar uh, to to them whoever you're talking to um, and then provide some proof points and metrics that show you can actually do that again so no like trust so how do you do that when you're a seller, you have to um, think in, in terms
0: of a multi step journey, right? That begins with you and the words that you use. Yeah, I love that. And it's interesting because you're right. Like that no like trust, you're coming at it from a marketing perspective, but we can't progress opportunities through our pipeline as a seller if they don't know, like, or trust us either, right? So it's fundamental exactly, to, to any, both marketing and sales, which, I'm, which I'm, I find really. And again, I think for for because, and this is where I I, I I was really excited about this episode and really excited to talk about the the line of sales and marketing because, again, you know when I first started in this industry, you know many many years ago, there was a clear sort of crossover, you know marketing did their thing, sales did our thing, but I feel that that line has now kind of disappeared, right? Um, we'd love to get your insight on this. So from a, from a marketing and sales perspective, what has been the biggest change that you've seen that has impacted the two orgs and the way in which they engage with each other? Well, I, I think it's mostly a positive because I think most
1: marketing leaders and most sales leaders now realize that they're essentially on the same team. Yeah. And selling is really a team sport that involves both of those skills. I talked about right brain and left brain, you know, kind of marketing approaches, analytical you know, mm-hmm. and also more creative and artistic. And I think uh, there's a little bit of the yin and yang that applies to sales and marketing as well. We need each other, right? Yes. And I, I think historically, what's how the inbound marketing myth kind of trained us all, and maybe it worked for a few years, was... You, the marketers were just responsible for generating leads, right? Yeah. We just had to generate leads and we needed to get email addresses and contact information and give them to the sales team and our job was done, you know? Yeah. So, you know, we've already proven it. That's how we're counting our success. We've given you 2,000 leads. If you guys don't follow up on them, it's, hey, it's your problem, basically. Yeah. And so it, it was, that's, and that, but that model worked for people, you know? It, it, actually, for a period of time, Maybe that worked, um and I think sales honestly historically was used to used to that, right, and maybe they didn't know a different way, so that didn't seem odd to them either, but I think that started to break down right as buying habits changed as social really emerged uh, mm. as um you know kind of that social proof emerged as a critical component of being able to buy something, especially a higher price product and so What's changed for me is that partnership, you know, is sales and marketing working together, marketing, thinking further down funnel, rather than just taking responsibility for how many people like us on Facebook, you know, um, or how many leads we're getting, but but vanity metrics, but truly thinking about the full funnel. Who am I talking to? Where am I talking to, to them? Are the people that I'm talking to in that location Actually, converting to sales opportunities and to closed one business, right? And so, I think a an evolved marketer, if you will, is thinking with that full funnel approach, um, and and they're partnered with sales leaders uh, to think that way too, right? And so, and and hold them accountable, frankly. So, if Mm -hmm. you're just if you're still just uh, running a webinar, doing a download, and then shipping that lead over to your Your sales team, as a marketer, you're you're not doing what you need to do um, because you haven't proven
0: any level of true engagement from the buyer. That's really interesting, right? And I actually want to pick up because there's a couple of things you said there, and I want to pick up on the creativity piece in a moment because I think I think that's really important as a modern seller today. But I mean, you see this all the time because you're 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 working in the role of marketing. (laughs) You know, if you're a seller and you wanted to get more from the marketing team, you wanted to get more insight to be able to share with their prospects and customers, Like, what advice would you give sellers so that they can go to marketing and ask the right questions? Look, I suppose where I'm going to with this question, and I don't want to confuse you or confuse myself, but I often see salespeople don't leverage their marketing teams enough. Right? They're out there, they're doing things, but they're not leveraging, they're not engaging with their marketing team to become more educated, to get more information. Like, What advice can you give sellers so that they can go and engage with their marketing department so that they can provide that better experience and journey for their buyers?
1: So, I mean, for, first of all, I, I, for sales leaders, certainly, yeah. or, or, or rev ops folks that, that we're, are working um, in the business, get a weekly meeting or a twice-weekly meeting on the calendar with marketing, right? Where Mm -hmm. where you're sharing feedback from the frontline teams that are talking to customers and providing that feedback to marketing. I think Mm -hmm. that enough of the feedback loop doesn't really happen unless you're really, really proactive about creating the opportunity and adding it as an agenda item. Like, let's talk about the the campaign that that we did last month that you called on for the last three weeks, what are you learning? Right? Um, how is our message resonating? When it why is it, why is it not? How do we, you know, adjust? So certainly if you're a frontline salesperson, raise your hand and 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 say what's working and what's not working because marketing needs that feedback loop to, to help you optimize down funnel. So I think the third thing or see the second thing is, um (laughs) <laughs> Update the CRM. <laughs> I mean, that, because because that data is what then power you know tells marketing yeah. what's um, working, right? what's working, and what's not. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, um, and you know, just to ensure that at least the attribution is right for, yeah. for things that you know coming coming down funnel. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, I don't know. Those those are two things that come top of top of mind, Luigi. Because I found our. I actually found a major shift in my career when I actually was thrown into a marketing role when I really didn't know anything about marketing. And for me at that time, I was, I felt like I was a fish out of water, but it was probably one of the biggest, um, it was a key milestone in my career chip because it gave me a different view and on the customer. I always looked at it from a sales view, right? And So again, I became a better sales professional because I looked at it from a marketing lens, yeah, Um, and it completely changed my viewpoint on it. And then this is, again, why I wanted to sort of share a little bit about what you do and, and, and really get sellers just thinking a little bit differently. And something that you said earlier which I think is really important is that creativity piece. Like, you know, we often talk about marketing is, you know, the people that are out there doing creative things to trigger their buyer. And then I often see the sales conversation, and there's no emotion to it. There's no energy to it. There's no personality. Like even after I was, I was doing a call calibration session yesterday, and I'm like, "So you had a great meeting, a discovery call, and then look at your email. Like your email is written. It it's it's so professional. There's no emotion in it. Like like where's the actual enthusiasm? Like what about creativity? Like Again, talk to me about why creativity matters—not just in the marketing part of part of the funnel, but also as buyers progress. Why we need to keep being creative? Uh, well,
1: creativity is human. Number one, mm. right? I, I think that you're in a very. Most companies now are in a very competitive marketplace, and people get at you know people get a lot of advertising. People still get a lot of spam in their inbox. They get, you know, pick the channel. There's there's plenty of noise in almost every channel. And the only thing that stands out are the things that seem truly personalized to you, relevant to you, somehow yeah. engaging to you. And the only way you're no, gonna know as a seller whether or not you're hitting the mark is, is it working or not? So you have to test a lot of things. You have to be yeah. creative. And so that's what de- definitely what, I got used to, especially in the B2C catalog realm, you know, because in B2B mar- marketers for a while it was been easy because you just bring in the leads and then the sales will cl- sales team will close it, right? Whereas if you're a B2C marketer, you're responsible for selling it, right? They, they yeah. have you have to you know you have to come up with a creative idea. If it's e-commerce, mm-hmm. you have to come up with a creative banner ad that gets them to click and gets them to buy. Right now, there's, there is no lead and there's no formal, right? And so the only way you're going to know if you're doing well is you're A/ B testing constantly, and even in my job now, we just updated and improved some of our landing pages for the ads that we're running, and we 2xed our you know number of demo requests that we're getting by creative approaches to optimizing yeah. where, where the people are engaging and learning about the offering, learning about the brand. and I think that's that kind of testing is maybe second nature to marketers, you know, Mm -hmm. and maybe, you know, maybe it's a new concept. I think a little bit to, to some selling people, salespeople is, you know, sort of the AB testing approach, the constantly thinking about, okay, how do I shift the message? How do I get really personal, really
0: engaging for this individual audience or person? Yeah. Well, this is good. I think, and again, I'm like, if I look at the notes that, our listeners should be taking. There's actually a couple of key takeaways here that you're talking about, right? Because I think, again, you're, the thing from a marketing A and B testing, like sellers need to be doing that as well. You know, if they're outreach messages, if they're looking at, they've got to be looking at what subject lines are working, you know, what emails no are performing better than others. Because, again, it, that's something that's, that's quite an important part of our role. Now, this is where I want to flip it, right? Because as a CMO, you'd obviously be on the receiving end of a lot of outreach. Yeah. Now, yeah. Out of all the outreach you get, what's the type of outreach that you respond to? I do get a lot of outreach. You're right. <laughs> and the, the 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 types of things that I
1: respond to, I, I can tell that there is time taken. You know, yeah. so it's a it's it's a personalized message. It's often a video uh, that's customized for me. Maybe where they use my first mm-hmm. name. They might show my website. They might they might clearly demonstrate that they understand the problem that I'm trying to solve. Um, you know, and, and also there's like an authentic try at engaging w- with me potentially from something I've written about or something that I've posted about, uh, on social, um, without it seem sort of seeming, you know, like they just wouldn't grab something. You know, but uh, actually something that was sort of recent, maybe that I've written that was highly relevant to what they're talking about. So, um, so I actually have, you know, responded to people when it, when it seems like they're taking the time to engage with me as a human, I'll at least tell them, no, I'm not interested, you know, reach back in six months or something rather than just ignoring them. Right. But I'm more likely to ignore them if it feels like they're phoning it in or, they don't know that I work for a CRM company, or you know they, they don't they don't know you know they don't know clear easy to find details that if
0: they did some research they would learn about me. Okay, so showing you that they know you via doing some yeah. research, leveraging some f- sort of content that again shows them that they've taken the time to do the research. Um, and how many you mentioned video? And I've been asking a lot of people this. Out of all the outreach messages that you get, how many, like what percentage has a video in it? Maybe 10%. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's still, l- it's
1: still lower than I would anticipate. It
0: uh, yeah. includes a video. And you know what? That's on the money. That's I I've, I ask people this every day and I ask sellers the same question. Um, and you're, you're right. It's about 10% of people say I'm sending video and 10% of the, the buyers are saying, mate, I'm getting video, which is interesting because that's a, that's a key way to stand out, right? In your, in your inbox. It's,
1: yeah, it's, it's it's a key way to to show that you're human too. Frankly, yeah. right? I mean, it, it's um, I think it was Wistia. I thought had a great campaign. I, maybe you've seen it too, Luigi. Where not not only were they was there a, sort of a marketing message from the the sales rep, there was also sort of a pre-recorded, "Hey, here's who I am." Right. Yeah. So I like to surf and I like to hike and this is where I live and sort of just like a little personal intro, introduction to the yeah. sales rep, which I thought was really unique because it just personalized the other end of the conversation in this two-dimensional world, it's kind of nice. And so just
0: going back on that, right, because you mentioned about the problem, again, with all the outreach that you're getting, even though you're not, even though you might not be in the market to buy something, if they did talk about a problem that you were experiencing, would you be open to discussing that problem with somebody if they if they spend the time to actually give you a strong point of view around that problem yeah i, I think
1: when somebody approaches you um and doug landis and i talked about this on our, on our show closing yeah. time but when they when they approach you with you with a sort of a hypothesis right. for understanding your business that'll not, not only do they, they understand your pain you know they sort of can demonstrate it, you know, with, with "Hey, I think you might be experiencing this kind of thing, right?" Because I'm talking to other customers mm-hmm. in their in your same industry that are experiencing that. Is that what you're seeing? Because if so, then you know this is the types of activities you might want to consider taking. And it and it and it's not. It doesn't feel like a higher pressure sales at all in that yes. case because it's it's they're. They're coming your direction yeah. to, to just make a hypo- hypothesis and educated guess about what you might be experiencing, and most that draws most people out. Yeah, I am experiencing that, and that's interesting that you brought that up because X, Y, and Z detail,
0: right? That then you can build on. And so, if somebody does leverage that really strong value hypothesis around a problem, yeah. that they might be experiencing, and then that could trigger you to say, yeah, I'm looking to learn a bit more from this. Yeah, it warms you up. I just had a conversation not too long ago that was similar to this, where it
1: was a unique piece of software that I'm not in the market for right now specifically, but they clearly understood a portion of my business and how I might be able to optimize it and why they built their software entirely around solving that problem. Yeah, and so it's like okay, well, I'm not interested now, but you clearly understand that problem, you know, and you know, let's talk again. So I think that that demonstration of expertise you can't, yeah, you can't fake, right? You can't fake, yeah. you know, yeah. and you can't, you can't, you can't fake the
0: the informed, the informed, educated guess. And are all your purchases that you make are they all budgeted purchases? Or do you, do you, in some cases, have to go and create a budget and, and develop a business case to get access to money that you didn't put in the budget initially? Yeah, I, I, they
1: tend to be budgeted in quarter for me, right? Um, but didn't necessarily exist when the year started.
0: <laughs> okay, so yeah. throughout the year, you've gone, hang on, we've got something, we need to maybe go and you know make that budget available this quarter. Exactly. Yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and what's your process around doing that? Like, is it a, you've got to seek consensus from your wider team or do you own that? Do you control that entirely within your, your, your MF? Um Well, I mean, clearly as a CMO, I own
1: uh, a marketing budget, but that, that covers, covers people, covers tech, mm-hmm. covers content, covers agencies, and then covers, you know, actual demand gen. And so... I think if my CEO was choosing, right, it wouldn't go entirely to demand gen, maybe. Um, but, but uh, you know, and so, so I've, I have to create an informed decision anytime I'm kind of recommending in a yeah. budget change, right? You know, that, hey, mm-hmm. here's, what, here's what I'm going to spend, what I want to spend money on next quarter, and here's how I think it's going to impact the business.
0: Yeah, this is, this is great. Because you mentioned earlier that there's more people involved in the buying committee, so... And I, and I love how I love where we've gone with this podcast, um, Chip. Because you know we've, we've spoken a bit about what sellers can do to create more awareness for themselves in the market, and 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 really being clear on who they serve, um, going through those process of know like and trust, um, mm-hmm. engaging with their marketing team, so that they can share intel that way, and and vice versa, right? Having more having a better line of communication between the departments is only going to help help strengthen um, the value proposition they're taking it to market. And I absolutely love the fact that we've migrated to a from a buyer's perspective, um, how you're buying, how you're engaging with outreach and how the fact that there is still a lot of people not doing, you know, the basics of personalising and bringing their authentic self. So I think this has been a great episode where – you know, if you're listening to this, there's probably been a lot of key takeaways. But before we let you go, um, where's the best place for our listeners to find and engage with you? Well, you, you can find me on, on LinkedIn is probably the best place to <laughs> engage with me,
1: right? Personally, it's is probably on LinkedIn. I do tweet occasionally at CE House. And then,
0: yeah. you know, I, obviously, you can find
1: and learn more about it Insightly at Insightly.com.
0: Awesome. And for those that are going to Outbound to check out what will be the biggest sales rock show. Going around, um, Insightly will be there, right, Chip? Yeah, we're really
1: excited about going to Outbound. I think much like you, you when we started this conversation, you, you had just been to an in-person event. And I feel like everybody's really, really hungry to engage people again, and uh, so we have a couple events coming up here in September. One on the the West Coast, one on the East Coast, and Outbound is one of them as well. We're really excited about. So, if you're at Outbound. Please, uh, we're looking forward to connecting
0: with you. Yeah, awesome. Chip, thanks for the content that you put out there, mate. Um, and really appreciate your time today. Luigi, thank you. Yeah, I can't wait to do it again. And, and you have to join me on my show. Mate, you, you know a time, I'll be there. <laughs> sounds good. Yeah, sounds great.